Welcome to the Walk Podcast of the Thompson Institute, a podcast for students and faculty on your walk across campus as a resource for your spiritual journey. I'm Aaron Badenhop. And I'm Jordan Browning. And we are your hosts and fellow Buckeyes. In episode two of our interview with Dr. Gregory Gansel, we ask him what it means when he writes that reality is fundamentally personal. And we ask him to explain the difference between local value and cosmic value. Something that particularly struck out, <clears throat> even about your approach, was that I think it was different than maybe a classic apologetic argument for the, here's the, here's why Christianity is true, mm-hmm. but rather, as you were saying, was identifying these maybe fundamental characteristics of what it means to even be human, the longings that we all share, and sort of comes in to say, okay, does the Christian story make better sense of these things than maybe what you are believing or attempted to believe or these other ways of making sense of these longings that humans tend to like reach for or pursue. And I guess even, uh, yeah, why do you, do you feel, yeah, maybe why do you feel like that is a beneficial approach? Um, even in kind of everyday conversation, as opposed to like, Hey, here are my, here's my 16 bullet point list as to why Christianity is the right way. You know? Yes. I, I do think it's a helpful approach. Um, for one, and, and even the way you framed your question highlights this, it, it, it brings to the surface the fact that every human being has the same project of making sense out of life. And we all are trying to make sense. We're all in the same boat. Um, as soon as we, we start discussing the truth of Christianity or any other controversial topic, we, we fall into debating sides. And so often, when we fall into debating sides, the goal is to win, not to get at the truth. Um, Now, these can be together, of course, but I was trying to emphasize this common shared human element and then recognize we're all in the same boat trying to make sense out of our lives. And then the other part of it is um, people don't care if Christianity is true because they think it's irrelevant. And I, I want to show, no, the Christian story is relevant to what it means to be human, to the things we care about. And that can motivate people to say, well, let me think about what reasons I might have to think it's true. And even as you identified, uh, one of those specific longings was yeah, the idea of personhood or kind of relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and you wrote... In, in Our Deepest Desires, you, you say, in the Christian story, the most fundamental reality is personal. So we were wondering if you could explain to those listening even what, what you mean by that statement and why that makes a significant impact uh, even in today's world. Yeah, I think this is very important. Um, most of the things we care deeply about are, are tied up in what it means to be a human being. It ties up in our own experience of our own humanness. And so one of the fundamental questions is where does that humanness fit in the structures of reality? And if you take two different stories, these aren't the only two stories, 
But if you take a, the Christian story and a major atheist story or, or a dominant atheist story, you get very different answers. In the atheist story, persons come on the scene very late, accidentally, um, with no foresight. I mean, we're happy we're here, but the deep structures of reality are completely indifferent to human beings. Whereas on the Christian story, the most fundamental reality is a person. And, and a person who makes us for reasons. So the elements of our personhood have a, have a kind of cosmic grounded meaning, not just a local meaning. Um, the cosmic meaning is, um, our meaning is tied to the fundamental structures of reality because that is God. God is the most fundamental reality. This is not to say that uh, an atheist can't have a meaningful life. I'm not arguing that. But that meaning is what I call local meaning. It's, it's meaning that we find in the things that are important to us. It's significant, but it's not tied to the deeper structures. Hmm. You, As you were talking about that, just to flesh that out a little bit more in your book, you, you actually use this metaphor of, of monopoly and... You know, when you when you cross the the two hundred uh, monopoly dollar mark, you know, uh, certainly in the within the structure of the game, that's an exciting moment to replenish your your, your money so you can get more property. But um, how how does the how does monopoly serve as a metaphor of this difference between uh, the local value that an atheist might have for their their sense of life? Uh, versus the cosmic value that you were... Yes, it, it, within the game. No, it's dangerous to talk about the game Monopoly because I'm not sure any of the students at Ohio State <laughs> probably true, yeah. have ever heard of it, right? <laughs> it shows how old we are. But in, in Monopoly, you have this money, this Monopoly money, and you use this money to buy properties and hotels, and it's and, and the game feeds our capitalistic greed in this way. But the money only has value within the game. Within the game, it has real value, right? The point of the game is centered around the value of the money. And so it's not that it doesn't have value, but as soon as the game ends, the money doesn't have any value. And it's kind of a metaphor for the difference between what I'm calling local meaning and global meaning, right? Within the finite structures of a human life, we find real meaning in the, the people we love, the projects that are important to us. Uh, but reality itself is completely indifferent on an atheist story to that. And, and once the game is over or once life is over, there's, there's, of course, nothing for that. But if we ground the value of Monopoly dollars... So if we, if we were betting people and we said, let's, let's make each Monopoly dollar equivalent to a real dollar. Then when the game ends, the value is still there, right? Mm -hmm. So you might win the game and you have $1,500. Well, you've actually won something that has value that transcends the game. And, and so there, there, in that story, there's a connection between the value within the game and in, the, in, in reality outside of the game. So it's just a metaphor or an analogy about how in the Christian story, um, the value of persons is grounded outside of the person's life. 
And as a result, our value is immune to, from being destroyed by things that happen in our life. That's uh, that's a really interesting analogy. And um, putting in putting myself in the shoes of someone who um, might be looking at what you're saying from a from a secular atheistic point of view, I'm, I wonder if someone might want to ask as a follow up question something like, well. Well, if I if I cease to exist at the end of my life, why does it matter that the game was more like a monopoly game rather than this cosmic this game with cosmic meaning, if that makes sense? Like how would you how would you respond to someone who says, "Why does it matter if it, if <laughs> within your metaphor if my life is just like playing Monopoly. Within the game, right. I think that's a very good question. And and there's one sense in which um, it doesn't, right? Because your the value you find in your life in the areas I'm calling local meaning, um, these are real values. This is real meaning. It It is part of what gives our life the joy that we find in life. Um, the the um, the difference is not just what happens when the game ends. The difference sure. is in the rootedness of those values while we're in the game. So mm. in the Christian story, my my current values of becoming a certain kind of person, embodying certain virtues, are not simply a matter of this is the kind of life I've chosen or this is the kind of life I feel like I'm obligated to have. Um, but that they're tied into a relationship with God that transcends my own, in a sense, subjective assessment of these values. I'm not arguing that the values aren't objective for an atheist, but th- th- that's, there's kind of a mystery of, of, of the ungroundedness of those values. Yeah. And could you just for a second elaborate on what you mean by values? I mean, are you talking about things like uh, valuing virtuous things like being being someone who is hum- humble rather than prideful or being someone who is generous rather than selfish? Or, or is that what is that what you mean by values? I, I think that's part of it. I think okay. I think um, that value terms are very broad. Sure. Many of our values are moral in nature. And have to do with moral virtues and moral actions. Of course, there are virtues that are not moral virtues. Like wisdom is not exactly a moral virtue. It's a classical virtue. Um, so the things we care most about. So I, I, I try to use that term in a phenomenological way. And we could just say, what are the things I care most about? Once I peel back the superficial layers. Right? Uh-huh. The first three answers might be, boy, I'd love to have a vacation. I'd love a car that doesn't break down. And those are good things. But the things I care most about are relationships and beauty and meaningful work. Um, and, and those things I value are not only in the scope of moral values. They're, they're aesthetic. They're human. Um, and they are also, some of them are also moral. Hmm. Well, you just a moment ago spoke about um, how we value relationships. And in your book, you write, if atheism is true, 
Relationality is a shallow thing in the universe. Personhood and relationality are late arrivals and have emerged as pure accident. And I'm wondering if you could uh, elaborate on that a, a, a bit more. What do you mean when you say that? Well, it's very similar to personhood. Of course, what it means to be a person and the fact that we are social beings are are completely tied together. I mean, Aristotle said it's almost an axiom of his system that we that we are social beings and um this this is a feature of human existence that's undeniable it's an arena that brings a lot of um in which a lot of moral things are worked out in our relationships but also other virtues and um but the structures, the deep structures of reality are completely indifferent to relationships in an atheistic worldview, right? The, the laws of physics don't care about whether I treat my wife generously or not. No, I care, even if I'm an atheist, I care. But that caring is, is, doesn't have deep roots in the way reality is. Whereas on a theistic story, any story where God is at the center, like the Christian story, are treating people with generosity is connected to the very nature of God, which is most fundamental. Hmm. And of course, in the Christian story, God is intrinsically relational because we have a triune concept of God, that there are three persons in one being, in one substance, and so there's a kind of relationality in the very nature of God. And in the Christian story, we are created to be relational in part to reflect that. It's hmm. interesting. Yeah. Something that struck me <clears throat> most, even reading through Our Deepest Desires, was within the section on goodness. You identify goodness as a desire that we all, uh, you're arguing we all long for. And in that section, you talk about even the idea that something as good is sort of, <clears throat> maybe you're arguing that it's a foundational or like, yeah, when we identify something as good, we are saying essentially this is the way it should be and that something bad or evil is a distortion of something that is good. It's not um, as foundational, but rather a twisting of something at its foundation. And so... Um, yeah, I was wondering if you could even maybe explain or further explain what you meant by that and even how the Christian story, again, sort of speaks into that, if it's true. Yes, there, there, it's a very, uh, there's a long tradition of understanding and there's a kind of asymmetry between goodness and evil. And goodness is, I think the way I say it is goodness is primary and evil mm -hmm. is a distortion. Um, it goes back to the Neoplatonists, and Augustine picks it up from the Neoplatonists and introduces these or weaves these concepts in and recognizes that Christian theology is saying much the same thing. And, and so on one end of the discussion, we can just talk about the nature of goodness and evil. It's tempting to think that these are equal and opposite, but... Um, that view stumbles on the notion that we all know we need to prefer goodness, right? It's not like 50% of the population votes for evil and 50% <laughs> votes for goodness. 
Um, and we see that in, in the way we try to justify ourselves. If someone accuses us of doing something, we don't say, oh, no, but I'm on evil's side. <laughs> we just explain, no, what I did was not really evil. It was good. I had good reasons to lie to my roommate or whatever the mm -hmm. story is. Mm -hmm. And um, so, so this asymmetry, I think we, we can see in the nature of these things. And it completely fits the Christian story because God is primary and God is wholly good. So there can be goodness without evil, but not evil without goodness. Because evil is like a parasite or it's kind of like rust. You have to have the metal in order to have the rust. It's a corruption. Um, and I think this helps us see the nature of goodness and evil. This helps us see why we hate evil. And it's because we love the things evil destroys, right? Evil destroys people. It destroys the environment. It destroys art. And, and things that are good can get distorted or destroyed by evil. And it's the goodness that we love that shapes our rejection of evil. Well, I, I really liked the uh, metaphor that Dr. Gansel uses with the idea of playing in the Monopoly game. And on the one hand, I, I really like that Dr. Gansel admits that for someone who does not live life with reference to God, with, for someone who lives from a secular worldview, that there can be local value that is significant, that it, it, it can feel real and and important, the the things that we want, the things that we value. Life can have sort of a subjective uh, meaning without reference to God. I think that's a, a very charitable way of thinking about what life without reference to God can be like. Uh, but I also think it's significant, the argument he's making, that um, when compared to the possibility that there might be cosmic value, that there might be uh, value that comes from outside of our subjective experience that, that points to something transcendent, that that actually infuses more meaning into the concept of, of value in our lives as human beings. Uh, and I think the, that analogy of the, the Monopoly game uh, can be pretty helpful to think about this subject. Thanks so much for listening to The Walk of the Thompson Institute. The personal views presented by the scholars and professors on our podcast do not represent the views of their employer. For upcoming events and for more information, visit thethompsoninstitute.org, a program of CREW at Ohio State.